Good morning, church. It is great to be here to see your faces. Um, I'm excited today to be here preaching with or preaching for you, and, and I hope that you guys hear God's words to, word today. Um, my friend Julie has this metaphor, and it's a metaphor she's told me over and over and over again. It's about a tree, right? And each person has a tree in their life. At the root of their tree is God, because, well, God is her sustenance. He is her life. He is where she gets every fiber of her makeup, right? And then there's her trunk. Those are her family. And they're the ones that, in, when times get hard, that she relies on them to hold her up and hold her accountable to whatever it is that the world is throwing at her. And she's got her branches off of that. And the branches for her are the really, really close friends that she knows that she can rely on to spread fruit, right? That she can rely on to not go away. Um, and that she can hang a swing on so that other people might enjoy their presence with her, right? That's how she describes her branches. And then she's got um, the limbs that are the extensions, but they're not the same as the branches. They're friends that she hangs around, but not ones that she relies on for everything. And then there's the twigs and the leaves that those are the people in her life that they come and they go. Um, And as I was preparing for my sermon, I kept on drawing back to that and thinking, you know, that kind of sounds a lot like Jesus and a lot like our passage for today. Um, Some of you guys might have already guessed it, but I will be preaching off of uh, or out of John 15, 1 through 8, Jesus' vine and branches passage. Again, that's John 15, chapters 1, or chap- John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Um, you can turn with me in your Bibles. You can open it up on your phones, or you can read it on the screens. I should point to the screens there. I am the vine, and my Father is the gardener. He prunes every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so it will be even more fruitful. You've already, you are already clean because the word I have spoken to you remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you, be, can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, I'm going to be upfront and say that many times we have heard this passage preached as, yay, God's going to prune off all the wicked people and throw them away into hell. But that's not God, at least not in the way that we've heard it. And, and I think the church does a grave injustice to this passage when we celebrate God taking the wicked, the sinful people, and casting them into hell. To celebrate that is actually a very sad thing because we should mourn when people choose not to follow. So I'm going to correct that before I even start. (laughs) Get that out of your head, that we should not rejoice in people going to hell, but rather we should mourn for those that choose not to remain in the vine. Um, Now that that's out of the way, I'm going to get into my sermon. Um, So 
the disciples early on in Jesus' ministry, he comes and he says, hey, leave your life behind, get up, follow me. And what do they do? They get up and they follow him. Um, and, and they've been made clean because they've been walking with him and doing life with him and seeing what he has done and, and doing what he has done. And now Jesus has come back and he's saying that I am the vine and you are the branches. For us, this sounds a little weird. We've heard, many of us have heard sermons about this. But for us, it sounds a little weird, like Jesus being a vine, we're the branches. And for the, the disciples, it sounded a little bit weird too. Their understanding of a vine actually goes back to their Old Testament roots, right? And they are in the Old Testament. Israel is described as the vine planted in the wilderness. Um, and once planted, the vine would be, oh yeah, sorry. Um, once that vine was planted, it seemed that it would be trampled on and that it would be devoured by the other animals in the wilderness, um, this actually comes from a psalm that David wrote, and many of the prophets also use this image in regards to Israel. Israel is the vine planted in the wilderness. But let's take a minute and think about Israel's history of, well, everything leading up through Jesus, right? So they're under Moses's, dis or under Moses's direction, and they're wandering in the wilderness, or they get freed from Egypt. They're planted in the wilderness, they start whining, God, it was so much better back then, right? And so they got caught in their own selfishness, and they turned from God, and then they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, fighting off all of the other nations, right? So they were devoured, and they were trampled on. Moses dies, they enter Jericho, and they're under Joshua's guidance now. And over time, under Joshua's guidance even, they fall into sin. They fall into selfishness and happens again. They're trampled on by other nations and they're devoured by other nations and all of a sudden they need replanted. So then God gives them judges and for every judge they get, they get planted and they're like, yay, God, let's go, gung-ho. Oh, look, shiny, another God to follow. And they get caught in their sinfulness and their selfishness. Um, this leads to them getting devoured and trampled on in the wilderness again. Then God gives them the kings. And, oh, hold on. Then God gives them the judges. And for every judge they get, the same thing happens. Ooh, shiny. I like that. And now I'm gone. Again, right? And they get devoured and they get trampled on. And then God plants them again. And he gives them kings because, hey, life would be better with a king. No, it won't. Yes, it will. Give us a king. Here's your king. Life is no longer better, right? And, and we're given good kings, righteous kings. You've got King Saul, right? Started off good. What happened to him? Sinfulness and selfishness took over. He led the Israelites down a sinful path, caused them to be devoured and destroyed. Then along comes David. David is a great man. He is, he's considered one of the greatest kings, not just in Christian history, but in world history, right? But he leads the Israelites down a, sit, or a path of sinfulness and selfishness, of being devoured and being trampled on. And you see the same thing with Solomon. And from each king after that, it just happens again and again and again, worse and worse each time. I think we're getting the picture here, 
right? And then we get the prophets alongside the kings, and unfortunately, people aren't listening to God when he's saying, I'm planting you, Israel, to be my vine in the wilderness. Go shine my light. Oh, guess what? It happened again. So this is the mindset that the, Jeru- or that the Israelites have in their head, is we are a vine planted in the wilderness, but history says, hey, we're a vine planted in the wilderness. We're going to die. So they're scratching their head and wondering, what in the world is Jesus meaning now that he is saying, I am the vine, because bad things have always happened to the vine. What Jesus is saying is that Israel as a nation is no longer the vine. Israel as a nation is no longer the direct connection to God, but that he is. He is now Israel, planted in this wilderness of brokenness, of sinfulness, um, in, in this dark and this broken world. The disciples, then, are the branches that connect into him as the vine to provide life into the darkness and the brokenness. I said it earlier, but um, a, common, a common theory for this passage, for this understanding, is that um, we use the word prune, that Jesus is going to go cut off all the bad parts, and those people are all going to go to hell for it. But if you stop and if you reread what it's saying, the, the Greek word for prune here is not actually prune. Like what what we mean, it's not to cut off and and to to break away all of the the bad parts that are, I mean, it it is, but it's not in the way we think. We think it as like, he's going to cut it off and they're all going to go burn, right? But that's not what it is. Rather, it's the word, am I saying, do you know how to say it? Okay. (laughs) It's, I think, kathiri, kathiri. Something close to that. And it actually means to cleanse, to purify, to sanctify, or to make holy. So it's not the pruning that we think of where it's, it's that painful cutting and then at that part it's going to die. No, it's the, the sanctification, that purification that we must go through to be made clean. I'm going to read the passage again, but this time instead of saying prune, because again, we often think prune means to cut off all the bad parts, I'm going to use purify and see if we can alter our thinking as, before I move forward. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He purifies every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he purifies so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So we have two sections here. 
the section of the, or the to I am the vine, and um, one says, the, my father is the gardener. The other says, you are the branches. Um, in the section that it says, my father is the gardener, um, he is telling them that he is the vine that the disciples must be attached to. And the, those that decide to follow Jesus must re- remain attached to him to receive life, forgiveness, purification. And only that can come from the gardener himself, the gardener being God. Those that say they are disciples but are not exemplifying or being examples of Jesus, they will be purified, so their sin will be, will be cleansed out of them. Um, and the fruit of the Spirit will then be evident in them. For those that remain, um, they, they too will be sanctified. So it's those that just now find themselves attached to the vine must now be purified. But those who have been there must be purified, must be sanctified. And the fruit that they bear will then become even more beautiful. Um, If, if the disciples are not willing to remain in Christ, though, they are the ones that have to choose, or that choose not to be there, and they choose not to bear fruit. And what do we do with those, or what about those that become diseased and bear fruit? Jesus says that they are choosing not to remain in Christ. Those people fall off the vine, and the gardener, God, deals with them accordingly. Only the gardener does this, not the other branches, not the priests, not the Philistines or Pharisees. I don't know why I do that. Not the priests, not the Pharisees, not the fellow disciples. Only God, the gardener, can deal with the branches that choose not to remain in the vine. In other words, any disciple who chooses... Oh, I said that. Sorry. Only God can give the appropriate consequences for choosing life apart from Christ. Then Jesus goes back to the, the importance. This is the second passage, um, or second paragraph. Jesus goes back to the importance of the disciples remaining in him and to do what, not only what he has told them, not only, or to not only stay with them, but to do as he taught them to do. Um, as a result of the presence with Christ, they not only will bear fruit, but they will receive anything they ask for. This production of fruit is the glorification of God. And as long as they glorify God by remaining in Christ and doing what he taught them to do, they are granted blessings. So what does, it rem- or what does remaining in Christ and doing what he wants us to do looks like, or look like? Jesus gave eight commands I'm going to use today. He gave a lot of other commands. But he gave eight commands I'm going to use today for what the Israelites or what the, the disciples were going to do. What are those commands? In order to remain in Jesus, they needed to love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And they needed to love their neighbor as themselves. To remain in Jesus, they needed, or meant that they needed to, wow. To remain in Jesus meant that they should love their neighbor as he loved them. This is what friendship looks like. To remain in Jesus, they needed to pray for those that persecuted them. To remain in Jesus, they needed to repent of their sins and let God purify them. 
to remain in Jesus meant that they needed to believe in God. To remain in Jesus, they needed to be willing to die for the sake of God's love. To remain in Jesus meant that they needed to continually be in prayer. To remain in Jesus, they needed to go and make more friends, go and make disciples, and teach them about Jesus. See, remaining in Jesus wasn't any different for them, though, than it is what Jesus asks us to do today when we are asked to remain in Christ. Some of you guys may, see, may have seen some billboards around town. It's like uh, choose hope or something or pass it on, something like that, dot com, right? They're all white. They have a person and a quote. And one of those quotes, at first I was super inspired by it, right? Because it was, you do you, right? And then I stopped and I was like, hmm, wait a minute. Because if I do me, then I don't care about you. If I do what brings me good feelings, and if I do what's right by me, then that means that I'm not going to care about my neighbor, right? If I do me, then that means that I'm allowing systems of injustice to flourish in the world around us. If I do me, that means that I'm not going to be able to see the person on the street corner struggling to get food, Or the friend who can't pay bills, if I do me, I'm not going to care about their bills getting paid, right? If I do me, I get stuck in this whirlwind of selfishness. And what did we learn happens when we get stuck in a whirlwind of selfishness? We get diseased by sin. So this is why... uh, Hold on. Yeah, we become like Israel trying to survive in the wilderness on our own. A vine that is planted, but trampled on by society and devoured by our own sin and selfishness. This is why Christ said that the fruitless branches will be purified. Or those of us that get caught in sin and our own selfishness will have to go through the purification that comes only from the gardener. When we are purified, we have to go through a painful process where the sin is taken out. And when we allow the gardener to do that, we are allowing the Holy Spirit to plant a new kind of fruit in us. A fruit that brings life to others and brings glory to God. Christ is firmly planted in our world of darkness and brokenness. He is the vine. We are the branches. We are the extensions of the vine to bring hope and to bring light into the broken world around us. We have to be careful. We have to be on guard. If we are not careful, the poisonous fruit of selfishness and sin will take over and our branch will become diseased. Um, So I'm famous for this. This is kind of not exactly in my notes, but um, there's a plant out in the modular. His name is Jack, right? And uh, I killed Jack like four times, and Jack just kept on coming back. And it reminded me a lot of this passage, actually. Um, But the number of vines that I had to clip back off of Jack because I let some sort of disease get on that part of the branch, and then it killed other parts, is obnoxious. And that's probably why Jack kept dying. He's thriving over there now because he's firmly planted, right? But that's what happens when we let disease enter our lives, when we let 
the disease of sin and selfishness enter our lives. It doesn't just cause me to fall away from the vine, but it causes my loved ones to fall away too because they are affected by what I'm doing. This is kind of going back to the we are the body, right? And, and if one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts with it. One part of the vine, or one part of the vine is diseased. The rest of the vine runs the risk, or the rest of the branches on the vine run the risk of being diseased also. So we must be on guard so that we do not allow disease to hit the vine, but we must also be on guard that we don't destroy other people. Um, It's vital we remain in the vine so that the disease cannot hit us. And, and ruin everything. When we remain in ourselves, though, we re- risk becoming like the vines that are in the desert, subjected to destruction from the world and being eaten up by sinfulness and selfishness. This is like the glory, or like Israel, trying to do it on their own. But my friends, we have been offered life on the vine, life where we can be purified and we can be even more beautiful and that the glory of God can shine through us even more brightly. To radiate the glory of God, we must remain in Christ. We must remain in the vine. For without the vine, we will wither. We will be trampled. We will be devoured. So how do we do that? We remain in Christ by imitating him and by following his commands. The commands that he gives us lead to a life of believing, belonging, and beloving. There it is for you guys. We believe for our Uh, We believe that by praying for our persecutors, God will soften their hearts. We believe that by praying for forgiveness, God will purify us from our sin and our selfishness. We believe by acknowledging that God is our gardener and our creator. We believe by continually praying that God will work in us and through us. And by believing in God, our fruit will be brighter and will bring him glory. We belong in the vine when we love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we belong to our community when we love our neighbor as ourselves. We belong to the vine because Jesus has shown his love for us. And we belong to our community when we show them Jesus' love. By belonging to God, our fruit will be evident in our belonging to our community. We are beloved because the vine has died for us. And we love the world by, by being willing to give up ourselves for them. We are beloved because the vine daily chooses relationship with us. And we love by daily choosing to build relationships with those in our community. By being God's beloved, our fruit will radiate the love of God into our communities. When we believe, when we belong, when we are beloved, we remain in Christ. The natural outpouring of our presence with Christ is that we will do as Christ has done. Now, some of you may asking, be asking, I have no idea what I should be doing. I don't even know where to start. Lucky for you, Shameless plug right here for Pastor Tanner, right? So on our serve board, you've seen, some of you have seen these little cards, right? 
These little cards are just one small stepping stone to help you figure out how to serve, how to serve your church, how to serve your community. Both are very important, by the way, because um, the pastors of your church and the church board cannot do it all. So it's important that we serve the church because without the church, we wouldn't be able to be the light and spread the vine further and further, right? Um, I'm not actually, I was going to list all of them, but I'm not actually going to list all of them. There's a bunch more out there. I'm going to tell you about three in my hand. I just, I kind of chose three off the board. Um, so the first one is for the church. Okay, it says, junior church teacher. Involves working with children to help simplify our faith and a, and a variety of volunteers can help the growth from a diverse perspective. And then on the back, it tells you one to four, uh, or the time commitment, one to four Sundays per month as part of a rotation, right? What will I do? Lead or assist a class during the worship service. After I fill out this little literacy thing, where do I put it? David Dake's hand, right back there. David, raise your hand. Or, or don't, right? <laughs> okay. Um, one way to serve both your church and your community is by participating in outbound communion, right? The outbound communion team is to bring community and communion to the church family who cannot attend here in person. I don't know if you know this, but we have several people that attend only online because they can't make it to church. Or they only watch our services because they can't make it to church. So this team doesn't just bring communion, like the bread and the, the juice. It brings communion as in relationships with one another also. So what's the commitment? Ten, five, or one to five, 15-minute visits a month at your own convenience. It's pretty simple. What do you do? Visit people in their homes or facilities and serve them communion and pray with them. Who do I give this to? Pastor Tanner. I don't really need him to have to raise his hands. You all know him. Right? And then the last one on the, con the board I'm going to talk about is a connect group host. Okay? It's a group, or creating a space to bring a group of people in and, and share the love of Jesus with them. Right? Um, it says, uh, to provide prayer, discipleship, service, care, and accountability so that they can become more consistent and regular in the life of Battle Creek First Church family. Eight to ten hours a month varies based on group size, right? Um, or if you get three people in a room that like to talk, it turns into three hours instead of one, okay? Um, and, and what will you do? Ensure a comfortable environment with study, prayer, fellowship, and community engagement. Who do I contact? Pastor Tanner, right? See, fill this out and give it back to whoever it says underneath, who do I contact, right? These are just some examples. This board is out there to help facilitate how do we serve our community? How do we belong to our community? And it's not just that. Some of you guys might have a neighbor who maybe you haven't seen them out in a while and maybe, just maybe, they just need a friend. Invite them over for dinner. Shoot, show up on their doorstep with dinner and say, hey, I made you a meal. Because maybe, just maybe, you're the light that they need in this world. As Christians, we have two things that we must do, right? First, allow God to purify you. I know we like to say, but I like that it's comfortable. 
I, I don't want to give that, that up because it's going to hurt. Oh, well. I know that kind of sounds mean, but if you want to receive the love of God, if you want to have the full freedom of believing, belonging, and being loved, let the purification happen. It's so beautiful. Second is that you allow Christ, or you, sorry. It is important that we do what Christ has commanded by being involved in our church and by being involved in our community. So I ask you two questions today. In what ways do you need pruning, and how will you serve? <laughs>